This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. When we think of the word holy, we might be tempted to think about some sanctimonious, holier-than-thou Christian that gets their kicks from judging every other person on the planet rather than acknowledging their own sin. But on today's podcast, we discover that God has a much different approach to generating holiness in someone, and it actually starts from the inside out. We're looking at Exodus chapter 40 today, and I want to read verses 34 and 35. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Exodus 40 completes the instructions for the construction of the assembly of the tabernacle. The Lord instructs very specifically how to construct this ark. He was to bring the ark of the covenant That ark and the mercy seat constructed on top of it represented the visible presence of God with his people. It was the locus of God's presence with the nation. It was the first thing that was constructed. And then after it was constructed, according to specific uh, instructions given by God, the screens were built around it. This would have formed the most holiest place. After this, The holy place was created. After this, the coverings for the entire tabernacle were erected. After the tabernacle's completion, the altar was placed at the front of the meeting. Then the basin was placed between the tent and the altar, and the water was put in it. After all of this is completed in this order, then the screens around the surrounding courtyard were assembled, and the tabernacle was completed. After it was built, all the furnishings and utensils for all the furniture were all anointed with oil. They were set apart for their divine purpose. That's what the anointing was for. After this, the priest and their sons were brought before the Lord. They were washed with water and made clean. They were then to put the holy garments on only after having been washed, anointed, and consecrated. After this, washing, anointing, and clothing, they were inaugurated as priests. This priesthood was permanent throughout their generations. The final two things that jump out at me in this text were Moses doing everything, quote, just as the Lord had commanded him. The chapter says this seven different times. Moses completely obeyed the Lord's direction as it related to building his house. After this, the text says the cloud covered the tent, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It was so thick that Moses was even unable to enter the tent. From here on, the people followed that cloud and that fire. And as long as it stayed put, the tabernacle stayed put. But when it moved, the tabernacle moved with it. Once again, it was set up with notable obedience until such time as the time came to move again. Now, there are some really direct applications here as God's covenant people today. Like Israel, we have been rescued, 
redeemed, and emancipated from our slavery to sin in Egypt. Like Israel, we have been delivered by the blood of the Passover lamb, and we have been called via the desert road into the land of promise. Like Israel, there will be times of misunderstanding, melancholy, and mayhem where God's people complain, where they're ungrateful, where they're rebellious. Nonetheless, for God's people, he longs to be with us. And we have to pay particular attention to how God constructs this tabernacle. Now notice how God builds his holiness among his people. It begins with the ark, then the most holy place, then the holy place, then the altar, then the basins, and then the screens around the courtyard. When it comes to the priest, it starts with washing and cleansing, and then anointing, and then being robed in the vestiges of their priestly office. In both instances, God's holiness is developed, watch it, from the inside out. It starts with God and then moves outward to his people. The same is true of the priest. God's holiness started with washing them clean, anointing them for a purpose, and then clothing them with the apparel necessary for that unique work. The application could not be more precise for us. God develops the holiness of his people from the inside out, not the other way around. When we think of holiness, we often think of the outward vestiges of such purity, the visible reflections of it, the do this and the don't do that's of holiness. But we have to be careful not to think of our holiness in these terms alone. This was what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. Yet Jesus warns them to clean the inside of the cup first. He, on another occasion, he likens them to whitewashed tombs, which look pretty on the outside, but inwardly they're filled with dead men's bones. Jesus tells, tells them, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. The point is, holiness begins with the matter of the heart. We cannot take up the vestiges of our priestly office as a kingdom of priests without first being washed and cleansed and then anointed for this work. We have to remember that man looks on the outward appearance, but where does God look? On the heart. God deals with our holiness not from an out outward dynamic, but from an inward heart attitude. This God deals with our heart problem of sin. Holiness begins here. We are washed from our sin here. Then we are anointed to bring glory to God. Then and only then are the outer garments of God's righteousness laid upon our lives. Holiness works in this order. We dare not legislate outward morality first, else we'll run the risk of the toxic legalism of the Pharisees. Instead, we need to search the heart of the matter, which is a matter of the heart. Both in our lives and the lives of others, holiness starts here. The other part of this that is critically important for us to make sure that we understand is the focus of our leadership is oriented towards divine obedience. This sevenfold obedience in Exodus 40, where Moses did everything the Lord commanded him, is a reminder that God blesses obedience to his leadership over anything else. If we expect God to inhabit the house as leaders, then we're going to have to be maniacally focused on an obsessive compliance to God's word, even in the smallest of details. 
When we live in such obedience, we can reasonably receive the presence of God in our midst. He will inhabit the praise of his people as they walk in obedience and holiness towards him. He will lead and guide our steps, and so long as we move behind his leadership and follow him in both how we live and how we construct his house, he will lead us safely to the land of promise. So let's pray together today. Jesus, challenge us with such obedience. Help us to live focused on this concept. Bring about in us an inward holiness that begins deep within a heart that is submerged in communion with God. Help us to leave the details of the outward manifestation of that holiness to the Holy Spirit who shapes our lives. And may we spend our days focused on obedience and following the cloud that leads us to the land of promise. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.